raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there. We'll go to the hotline and bring on Breitbart International Editor, one of the best, one of our favorite, Francis Martell. Francis, happy Thanksgiving. How are you? Happy Thanksgiving. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm doing great. We're going to go all over the map. I want to go to... I want to go over to uh, Russia and Ukraine. Not a lot of people talking about that right now. Get an update there. I want to go to San Francisco and a a recap of how old presidential poopy pants did with the Chinese communist (laughs) dictator. But what about this? Let's start in Argentina. This this character that they elected president this week. Um, like, I've seen clips on YouTube of people crying. Like, you remember when Donald Trump, back in 2016, got elected president, and there were people on their knees screaming and crying? You couldn't believe it? Right. I'm seeing the same thing in Argentina, but this guy is, is legit, right? He's he's, to- he's like 180 from the previous leadership there. Why is that important, and who is this guy? Oh, absolutely. Um, so Javier Millet is the first libertarian, openly libertarian, um, Mises follower. He has a dog named after Murray Rothbard. It could not be more libertarian. Um, elected president of Argentina. And as far as I know, elected president in the Western Hemisphere. I don't think any libertarian party has had a president. So it's a very big deal um, in a sort of civilizational level. It's not just Argentina. This has never happened anywhere. Um, And the reason people are crying is because the Argentine economy is such a disaster. Inflation is somewhere around 143%. People can't joblessness, poverty um, just skyrocketing. And it's because they've had socialism on and off for about 20 years. Um, Peronism, which is this kind of, it started as the cult of personality of Juan Perón and has evolved into this monster of just a group of elites socialists just stealing all the money, Um, that has been the norm for most of the last two decades of Argentine history. And so this guy comes in who was not a political figure until 2021. He founded his party two years ago, and now he's president, and the party has a president. Um, Comes in and says, we got to get rid of all these people. And the solution to this is small government economic libertarianism, and he's an academic. So he um, he's coming at it not from this angle of being this huge personality necessarily, though obviously he is, but he's coming at it from this sort of nerdy professorial place of, I've read the books, this is what works if you want a healthy economy. Well, I wish we had some of that here in the United States, quite frankly. So so, so did I have it wrong then? Because the the, the people that were crying in Argentina, they weren't upset that he was elected, They they, they were tears of joy? Well, the people in the government are certainly crying, but (laughs) there are, you know, I also saw a lot of videos of people crying just of joy that they finally got through through the elite. They finally got someone in there that was not a member of what they call the political caste controlling the country. And is this ideology or I don't you call it ideology, you know, this form of thinking libertarian, conservative, whatever you want to call it, is it spreading in South America and other regions? It has been for a while. And and what was happening in Latin America prior to the pandemic was we saw a wave of 
center-right, right-wing, not libertarian yet, sort of old-school conservative leaders winning presidencies down there. Um, and what changed that, that just halted it completely was the pandemic because these people were elected in Chile, in Colombia, in Brazil. We have Bolsonaro. They were elected. The pandemic happened, and suddenly, you know, everything's locked down. People lose their businesses. People can't have funerals for their loved ones. Mm-hmm. People are killed on ventilators. They have, you know, then they have vaccines imposed on them. And all of the anger from that forced them to vote for literally anybody else. And so you had this wave of radical leftists winning in 2021, 2022. And this is kind of a correction of that, where we're out of the pandemic and we're far enough from the election of these leftists that there has been significant damage to these countries by socialist policies and people are starting to course correct. Chatting with Francis Martel, Breitbart's international editor. We're kind of spanning the globe here. Uh, Francis, let's jump over to the war between Israel and Hamas. One of the big headlines coming out today is it sounds like there's going to be some sort of hostage release uh, deal being finalized here. And I'm curious as to what you think here, because Hamas is a terrorist rotten ass organization they're not just going to give up their only leverage here for nothing what's really going on here it seems like the agreement is for some short i wouldn't call it a ceasefire just some multi-hour pauses in the fighting um, in exchange for about 50 hostages that's what we're seeing now it could change at any minute it could crumble at any minute we don't know um, but the fact that hamas is even willing to entertain this just shows the tremendous success of the idf in going into gaza as far as we know now um, you know the northern part of gaza where the shifa hospital is which is the the headquarters of hamas basically the command center which how vile is that right like the hospital Off. is the terror yeah. command center um, that that has been, you know, the Israelis have that surrounded. They've basically taken a, a lot of Gaza City, and now it's an existential problem for Hamas. The reason they're at the table is because the alternative is getting completely annihilated. Um, and I think the reason the Israelis are considering taking this is because the Israeli population can't take a single more casualty. What happened on October 7th was so devastating on an emotional level, on a psychological level, that I feel like the Israeli government can't go to its people and say, we lost another one. Um, at least not, you know, losing a soldier in battle is different than losing a civilian hostage. So they're doing everything they can to bring those people home. They have a lot of pressure on them from the civilians. So I think that's where we are with it. And it doesn't seem like they're getting the support maybe they thought they were going to get from other Arab countries in that region. Does, do, you, do you get that sense? Um, I'm not sure if Israel was really expecting to get support from not, other Arab I meant, countries. I meant Hamas. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, no. Hamas is really um, they're They're not getting. You're right. They're not getting what they expected. Um, Saudi Arabia, for example, um, has sort of talked to the talk and said, you know, they want they want support for um, Palestinian civilians. They want a two state solution. But the Saudis have very uh, definitively not supported Hamas. And then you have countries like UAE and Bahrain, which have diplomatic relations with Israel, and they openly condemned Hamas. So now you have a significant percentage of the Arab world that um, has a functional relationship with Israel and does not want Hamas to be around. The people who govern Dubai want to make a lot of money being a tourist paradise. They do not want anything to do with 
beheadings and killing babies. That is not their, you know, that's not their brand anymore. And, seems, and that's it, a big problem for it Hamas. It seems like the only people who are supporting Hamas are the uh, college students at Ivy League schools here in the United <laughs> States. Right. Um, I, I am curious, maybe uh, I, I, since this war has been going on, don't hear much about Ukraine and Russia anymore. Is there anything new to report there, or is it just the status quo in terms that, uh, of that war? It's, it's the status quo, and, and part of that is the climate, the, the weather. We're going into winter now, and it's just very difficult to move tanks around and armored vehicles and to engage in battle uh, on that terrain once it starts to freeze. So that's a big part of it, where it's just not really physically possible to have big battles the way that you could in the summer months. Um, but then the spring offensive, we were promised the spring offensive, yeah. and it's November, and we still don't have a spring offensive. So um, the Ukrainians are not winning this battle, but the Russians are also not losing. So we're at this place where it's completely stagnated. It has kind of reverted to what it was before February 2020. Remember, this war has been going on since 2014. We just, you know, Biden yeah. decided to care in 2020, right. even though he was vice president when it happens. So we've reverted back to this status quo of low-level war, um, and now there's growing pressure from NATO and from other places where they're subtly telling Zelensky, you know, you have to consider some sort of deal to stop the active fighting because this isn't going anywhere. Okay, so let's talk about Zelensky because, Francis, I think the last time we spoke to you, Zelensky was kicking around the idea of trying to cancel the elections in Ukraine. I believe you said it would be irresponsible to hold elections uh, during this time of war. Is there any update to that? Yes. Well, um, the Ukrainian constitution actually says that it's, it's not constitutional to have an election if you're under martial law, if you're in a state of war. So there's only so much he could do. Um, but he is very adamantly said that he doesn't want to have an election because Ukraine has so many refugees in the rest of Europe and has them and, and in the United States. And there's just so many people spread out that the logistics of having a free and fair election that includes all Ukrainians is not there. Um, so there's there's something legitimate to this. But at the same time, when we think about before February 2022, um, you know, I was talking about all these leaders in Latin America that got kicked out of office because of covid. Yep. Zelensky was about to be one of those people. Zelensky had a horrible um, had a horrible approval rating. Uh, his wow. covid response was terrible. And there were active protests in Kiev calling for his ouster because of um, covid lockdowns and limitations on businesses. So he's not in a place where he would be guaranteed re-election. So we have to take that into consideration wow, when he brings up the logistics. Yeah. Um, one more question before we let you go. Let's go back to the uh, homeland, San Francisco, APEC, this Asia-Pacific Economic Forum, forum where um, Joe Biden sat down with communist dictator of China, President Xi. How'd that go? Um, well, it went, you know, it wasn't totally embarrassing. <laughs> that's the bar. That's, that's the bar. Hammer. That's where we're at. Yeah. That's the bar. He didn't fall he did, down didn't and trip fall. down the stairs. Yeah, yeah. He didn't fall. He didn't say anything racist. He didn't, you know, make fun of chopsticks. <laughs> that's, 
that's kind of where we're at. Um, but uh, more seriously, you know, there were some concessions that we made to the Chinese um, and they made to us, and it doesn't look very balanced right now. Um, they agreed to have military communications with us, which is basic, just civilized behavior. You know, if, you're, if you have two ships from two different countries in the same international waters, you should communicate yeah. with each other. Yeah, we're not at war with China. Not exactly. yet. <laughs> exactly. So this isn't really, this doesn't, this is not a concession. This is just, we're going to revert to being a civilized country in this one tiny aspect. Um, and Xi Jinping also told Biden that he would reconsider restarting a program where China sends us pandas so that we can rent them out to our news. <laughs> so wait a minute, wait a minute, hold she on, hold said, on. <laughs> yeah, you heard that right. <laughs> We're talking about pandas here. Did we get anything on the spy balloon? Did we get anything on the origins of COVID? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> no. Oh. We, we might get pandas. I'm not saying that they, that she agreed to send the pandas. He agreed to consider maybe sending the pandas. Oh, my god! I look forward to Ron Burgundy and Wes Mantooth fighting over yeah. the coverage of uh, the arrival of the pandas. <laughs> Breitbart News International Editor. She's the best. Francis Martel. Find her... Uh, work at Breitbart.com. Francis, have a wonderful Thanksgiving. It was nice catching up. Thanks so much, and happy Thanksgiving, and you know, thank you for all that you guys do in Ab- the spirit of the season. Absolutely. Have a good one. Bye. Pandas. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> We've got information on pandas, but nothing on the spy balloon or the origin of COVID. All right, nuts. fine. Uh, how about some booze news? Can we do that next? Yeah, let's do it. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.